Alrighty, here we are at chapter five. I've got a case of the Mondays, something fierce. Alright, but we're going to we're gonna power on and read our chapter because it is it is exciting. Yes, absolutely. Don't you dare tell me otherwise. So um we have a few things to talk about for chapter notes. Um so they reference at one point that it is open weather, which is kind of a turn of phrase we don't really use anymore to say, you know, the weather is very open. But that just means it's like, you know, um, like a clear day, you know, it's not going to be all frosty or it's not going to be all foggy, rainy. It's just open weather. Okay. And um, then we're going to talk about the old city. So, um, during this, um, Mrs. Jennings, um, has a few old city friends. So the old city is, um, the, uh, the commercial district of London, I guess. Um, so it's just, it's just not where the high class people live or do their commerce um, they, you know, go to Bond Street, and so the old city is just kind of, you know, it's a little lower rent, it's a little lower class, and, um, so Mrs. Jennings has some friends there that it kind of embarrasses Lady Middleton, um, because Lady Middleton is very, uh, she's very class conscious, you know, um, when they're in the country, it's one thing to have all of, like, these poor cousins come. And it does annoy her. Remember, you know, when the Miss Steels came. And the Miss Steels, we didn't even know if they were genteel or not. And Lady Milton did not like that. Um, but in the city especially, you know, things are more under a microscope. Because uh, all of your friends are around to watch what you're doing. In the country, you can get away with a little bit more. Um... So Lady Milton gets embarrassed, um, and I think Eleanor uh, isn't embarrassed. Eleanor's just kind of annoyed at low class people, um, just like the Mistiels. Uh, what else did we have? So that's a sound that that is a um, I'm thinking, I'm looking type sound that I am. Um, you know, it's a pretty commonish sort of sound, but like my family makes it. And, you know, it was one of those sounds that the other day I heard my sister make a ch -ch 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 as she was, like, looking for something in a deck of cards. She was looking for a particular card. And I had to think to myself, you know, I was like, how many generations of my family have made that sound? You know, who passed that sound down first? Because, obviously, my sister and I picked it up from our dad. And, you know, who did my dad pick it up from? And... How, you know, did he pick it up from his dad? Did his dad pick it up from his dad? How far down the line did these things get passed? You know, it's just kind of funny. It's, I know some family traits, you know, my family is very interested in genealogy. And so, like, some family traits, like, you know, um, like, my mom is obsessed. Things have to be very fair and equitable among siblings. And she gets that from her mother, who got that from her mother, who got that from her mother. And, like, because of family stories, I know that traces back to at least my great-great-grandmother. But how much further does that trace back, you know? I don't know. Sometimes that's one of those things that I think about that, you know, 
that it I don't know. It's just one of those things. If I always find very interesting thinking about what we get from our long lost relatives, people we never knew, and I, that's probably one of the things you know you feel attached to certain characters in the story because they have feelings and stories that sound familiar, even if not in a direct way, but in an indirect way because they were passed down in some small way to you, and so. That's a kind of immortality, isn't it? All right. Well, wow. I really went off the page and talked. I told you, and Mondays, man. And this is the Mondays to me. Um, sometimes it's just I get a little lost. You know? Do you ever get a little lost that all of a sudden you're deep in these musings and you're like, where did this train start? I don't know, but I'm really happy with the destination. Um, I do that. I I have many lost trains. <laughs> so uh, I hope you are all having all equally great musing and whimsical Mondays. Um, yeah, I want to know what your ancestors have passed down to you too. Like I mine have passed down a sound and fairness, amongst other things. So there you go. Um, let me hear yours. Leave a message on the podcast sometime. It's been a long time since anyone's left me a message, by the way. I'm a little sad. Okay, chapter five. We're going to get started with the story. I think those are the only chapter notes. If this open weather holds much longer said Mrs. Jennings when they met at the breakfast table the following morning. Sir John will not like leaving Barton next week. Tis a sad thing for a sportsman to lose a day's pleasure. Poor souls, I always pity them when they do. They always seem to take it so much to heart. That is true, cried Marianne in a cheerful voice, and walking to the window as she spoke to examine the day. I had not thought of that. This weather would certainly keep many sportsmen in the country. It was a lucky recollection. All her good spirits were restored by it. It is a charming weather for them indeed, as she sat down to breakfast with a happy countenance. How much they must enjoy it, but, with a little return of anxiety, it cannot be expected to last long. At this time of year, after such a series of rains, we shall certainly have a very little more of it. Frosts will soon set in, and in all probability with severity. In another day or two, perhaps, this extreme mildness can hardly last longer. Nay, perhaps it might freeze tonight. At any rate, said Eleanor, wishing to prevent Mrs. Jennings from seeing her sister's thoughts as clearly as she did. I dare say we shall have Sir John and Lady Middleton in town by the end of next week. Aye, my dear, I warrant you we do. Mary always has her own way. And now, silently conjectured Eleanor, she will write to Comagna by this day's post. But if she did, the letter was written and sent away with a privacy which eluded all her watchfulness to ascertain the fact. Whatever the truth of it might be, and as far as Eleanor was feeling thoroughly content, whatever the truth might be, and as far as Eleanor was feeling thorough contentment about it, yet while she saw Marianne in spirit, she could not be uncomfortable herself. And Marianne was in spirits. 
happiness in the mildness of the weather, and still happier in her expectation of a frost. The morning was chiefly spent in leaving at card cards at the houses of Mrs. Jennings' acquaintance to inform them of her being in town, and Marianne was all the time busy in observing the direction of the wind, watching the variations of the sky, and imagining an alteration in the air. "'Don't you find it colder than it was in the morning, Eleanor? There seems to be a decided difference. I can hardly keep my hands warm, even in my muff. It was not so yesterday, I think. The clouds seem parting, too. The sun will be out in a moment, and we shall have a clear afternoon.' Eleanor was alternately diverted and pained, but Marianne persevered and saw every right night of bitterness of the fire and every morning of the appearance of the atmosphere and the certain symptoms of the approaching frost. The Miss Dashwoods had no greater reason to be dissatisfied with Mrs. Jennings' state of living and with set of acquaintance than with her behavior to themselves, which was invariably kind. Everything in her household arrangements was conducted on the most liberal plan, and excepting a few old city friends, whom, to Lady Middleton's regret, she had never dropped, she visited no one, and to whom an introduction could at all discompose the feelings of her young companions. Pleased to find herself more comfortably situated in that particular than she'd expected, Eleanor was very willing to compound for the want of real enjoyment for many of their evening parties, which, whether at home or abroad, formed only for cards, could have little to amuse her. Colonel Brandon, who had a general invitation to the house, was with them almost every day. He came to look at Marianne and talk to Eleanor, who often derived more satisfaction from conversing with him than from any other daily occurrence, but who, at the same time, with much regard, much concern, but who saw, at the same time, with much concern, his continued regard for her sister. She feared it was strengthening regard. It grieved her to see the earnestness which she so often watched Marianne, and his spirits were certainly worse than when at Barton. About a week after their arrival, it became certain that Willoughby was also arrived. His card was on the table when they came in for the morning's drive. "'Good God!' cried Marianne. "'He has been while we were out!' Eleanor rejoiced in his being assured of being in London, now ventured to say, "'Depend upon it. He will call again tomorrow.' But Marianne hardly seemed to hear her, and on Mrs. Jennings' entrance the, she escaped with the precious card. This event, while it raised the spirits of Eleanor, restored to those of her sister, and more than all of their former agitation. From this moment her mind was never quiet." and the expectation of seeing him every hour of the day made her unfit for anything. She insisted on being left behind the next morning when the others went out. Eleanor's thoughts were full of what might be passing in Berkeley Street during their absence, but a moment's glance at her sister when they returned was enough to inform her. Willoughby had paid no second visit there. A note was just then brought in and laid on the table. "'For me?' cried Marianne, hastily stepping forward. "'No, ma'am, for my mistress.' But Marianne, not convinced, took it instantly up. Indeed, it's for Mrs. Jennings. How provoking! You are expecting a letter, then? said Eleanor, unable to be longer silent. Yes, a little. Not much. After a short pause, you have no confidence in me, Marianne. Nay, Eleanor, let this reproach from you. You have no conf You have confidence in no one. Me? cried Eleanor in some confusion. Indeed, Marianne, I have nothing to tell. Nor I, said Marianne with energy. Our situations, then, are alike. 
We neither of us have anything to tell. You because you communicate, and I because I conceal nothing. Eleanor, distressed by this charge of reserve in herself, which she was not at liberty to do anyway, knew not how, under such circumstances, to greater press for openness in Marianne. Mrs. Jennings soon appeared, and the note being given to her, she read it aloud. It was from Lady Middleton, announcing their arrival in Conduit Street the night before, and requesting the company of her mother and cousins the following evening. Business on Sir John's part, and a violent cold on her own, prevented their calling in Berkeley Street. The invitation was accepted, but when the hour of the appointment drew near, necessary as it was in common civility to Mrs. Jennings that they should both attend her on such a visit, Eleanor had some difficulty in persuading her sister to go, for still she had seen nothing of Willoughby, and therefore was not more indisposed for amusement abroad than unwilling to run the risk of his calling again in her absence. Eleanor found, when the evening was over, that the disposition is not materially altered by a change or of abode, for though scarcely settled in town, Sir John had contrived to collect all about him, nearly twenty young people, and amuse them with a little ball. This was an affair, however, which Lady Middleton did not approve. In the country, an unpremeditated dance was very allowable, but in London, where re reputation of elegance was much more important and less easily attained, it was... It was risking too much for the gratification of a few girls to have it known that Lady Middleton had given a dance of eight or nine couples with two violins and a mere sideboard collation. Col 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 okay, so this is kind of, again, Lady Middleton is very conscious of class. And in the country, Sir John is, he can pretty much do no wrong because he makes all of his neighbors happy, he does everything very good, it's all working out great. Um, in the city, Lady Middleton is more aware that other people will watch and listen and with more um, uh, interest than in the country, and so she wants to be known as being elegant and everything, and um, uh, what did they say? The reputation of elegance was more important and less easily attained. So, yeah, um, just because you're a lady and a sir in the town does not mean that you're necessarily going to be known as to be elegant. And in the country, they were elegant simply by being there of an elevated rank. Um, so, and then the, the unpremeditated ball. So that is a small ball and that would look cheap. And then with two violins, oh, you can pay for more, uh, more of an orchestra. And then a mere sideboard collation um, that's like um, just like uh, putting out like snacks on um, a buffet table and then everyone helps themselves to little finger food type. You know, that would be the instead of giving a dinner with your ball, which would have been more um, appropriate of a, an elegant affair. So um, Lady Middleton is like, whoa, 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 the rules are different. We can't do what we did in, in the country. Um, so anyway, that, again, Lady Milton has a little snobbery there, which is kind of amusing. Mr. and Mrs. Palmer were of the party. From the former, whom they had not seen since their arrival to town, he was as careful to avoid the appearance of any attention to his mother-in-law, and therefore never came near her. They received no mark of recognition on their entrance. He looked at them slightly, without seeming to know who they were, and merely nodded to Mrs. Jennings from the other side of the room. Marianne gave one glance round the apartment as she entered. It was enough. 
he was not there, and she sat down, equally ill-disposed to receive or communicate pleasure. After they had been assembled about an hour, Mr. Palmer sauntered towards the Miss Dashwoods to express his surprise on seeing them in town, though Colonel Brandon had been first informed of their arrival at his house, and he had himself said something very droll on hearing that they were to come. "'I thought you were both in Devonshire,' said he. "'Did you?' replied Eleanor. "'When do you go back again?' "'I do not know.' And thus ended their discourse. Never had Marianne been so unwilling to dance in her life as she was that evening, and never so much fatigued by the exercise. She complained of it as they returned to Berkeley Street. "'Ay, ay,' said Mrs. Jennings. "'We all know the reason of that very well. "'If a certain person, who shall be nameless, had been there, "'you would not have been a bit tired. "'And to say the truth, it was not very pretty of him "'not to give you the meeting when he was invited.' "'Invited?' cried Marianne. "'So my daughter Middleton told me, "'for it seems Sir John met with him somewhere in the street this morning.' "'Said Mary—' "'Oh, Marianne said no more, but looked exceedingly hurt.' Impatient in this situation to be doing something that might lead to her sister's relief, Eleanor resolved to write the next morning to her mother, and hope, awakening her fears for Marianne's health, to procure those inquiries which had been so long delayed, and she was still more eagerly bent on this measure by perceiving after breakfast on the morrow that Marianne was again writing to Willoughby, for she could not suppose it to be any other person. About the middle of the day, Mrs. Jennings went out by herself on business, and Eleanor began her letter directly, while Marianne, too restless for employment, too anxious for conversation, walked from one window to the other, or sat by the fire in melancholy meditation. Eleanor was very earnest in her application to her mother, relating all that had passed, her suspicion of Willoughby's inconstancy, urging her by every plea of duty and affection to demand from Marianne an account of her real situation with respect to him. Her letter was scarcely finished when a rap foretold a visitor, and Colonel Brandon was announced. Marianne, who had seen him from the window, who hated company of any kind, left the room before he entered it. He looked more than usually grave, and though his expressing satisfaction in finding Miss Dashwood alone, as if he had somewhat something in particular to tell her, sat for a time without saying a word. Eleanor persuaded him... Eleanor, persuaded that he had some communication to make in which her sister was concerned, impatiently expected its opening. It was not the first time of her feeling the same kind of conviction, for more than once the beginning of the observation of, "'Your sister looks unwell today,' or "'Your sister seems out of spirits,' had something appeared on the point either of disclosing or of inquiring something particular about her. After a pause of several minutes, their silence was broken, by asking her in a voice of some agitation when he was to congratulate her on the acquisition of a brother. Eleanor was not prepared for such a question, and having no answer ready, was obliged to adopt a simple and common expedite of asking what he meant. He tried to smile as he replied, "'Your sister's engagement to Mr. Willoughby is generally known.' "'It cannot be generally known,' returned Eleanor, for her own family do not know it. He looked surprised and said, I beg your pardon. I am afraid my inquiry has been impertinent, but I had not supposed any secrecy intended, as they openly corresponded, and their marriage is universally talked of. How can that be? By whom have you heard it mentioned? 
by many, by some of whom you know nothing, by others of whom you are most intimate, Mrs. Jennings, Mrs. Palmer, and the Middletons. But I still might not have believed it, for, for where the mind is perhaps rather unwilling to be convey, convinced, it will always find something to support its doubts. If I had not, when the servant let me in today, seen a letter in his hand directed to Mr. Willoughby in your sister's writing, I came to inquire, but I was convinced before I could ask the question, is everything finally settled? Is it impossible to? But I have no right. I could have no chance of succeeding. Excuse me, Miss Dashwood. I believe I have been wrong in saying too much, but I hardly know what to do. On your prudence, I have the strongest dependence. Tell me if it is absolutely resolved on that any attempt in sh that in that in short concealment if concealment be possible is all that remains these words which conveyed elinor to a direct avowal of his love for her sister affected her very much she was not immediately able to say anything even when her sisters even when her spirits recovered she debated for a short time on the answer it would be most proper to give the real state of things between willoughby and her sister was so little known to herself that in endeavouring to explain it she might be liable to say as too much as too little. Yet, as she was convinced that Marianne's affection for Willoughby could leave no hope of Colonel Brandon's success, whatever of that event might whatever the event of the affection might be, and at the same time wished to shield her from conduct of censure, she thought it most prudent and kind, after some consideration, to say more than she really knew or believed. She acknowledged, therefore, that though she had never been informed by, by themselves on the terms which they stood with each other, of their mu mutual affection she had no doubt, and of their correspondence she was not astonished to hear. He listened to her with silent attention, and on ceasing to speak, rose direct and on her ceasing to speak, rose directly from his seat, after saying in a voice of emotion, "To your sister, I wish all imaginable happiness, and to Willoughby." that he may endeavour to deserve her, took leave and went away. Eleanor derived no comfortable feelings from this conversation to lessen the uneasiness of her mind on other points. She was left, on the contrary, with a melancholy impression of Colonel Brandon's unhappiness, and was prevented even from wishing it removed by her anxiety at the very event that must confirm it. By her anxiety for the very event that must confirm it. End of chapter 5 Oh my oh my oh my all right so wow um so they went to a party that willoughby was invited to oh well no start even before that willoughby called at the house left his note and then hasn't called again for unknown reasons and then he was invited to a party that they were all invited to he did not show weird upsetting not good and then Marianne wrote to him a second time, which, you know, a first was a little ill-judged. A second is like, Wah, what are you doing, girl? You, you don't want to... Young ladies were not supposed to appear over-eager in anything. Yeah, and then... Brandon. Oh, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. 
the colonel, the colonel, the colonel. Um, so Brandon's all like, I've heard your sister's marriage widely talked about. Okay, remember, we've talked before about a lady's reputation. If everyone is considering them engaged, even people whom they are not acquainted with, that could be very bad for his sister's reputation. Um, not if the engagement takes place and the marriage is very soon announced, but if it keeps going on much longer, it's going to start to look bad for Marianne. Like, why all this talk about a young lady? There's no smoke without fire. What was she doing? Was she leading him on? Was she acting inappropriately? Like, all these questions are going to start coming up. Um, so it's just, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. And so Eleanor's like shocked, like, wah. And then Brandon's like, I saw them writing to each other, so I'm pretty sure they are intimately connected. And Eleanor, Eleanor's kind of debating here because she's like, what should I say? You know, I feel for Brandon. I like Brandon. I don't know that the engagement is even real, but given how Marianne is writing to him and expecting him constantly, the engagement probably is, but maybe Willoughby's turned in constant, but she doesn't want to give Brandon false hope. So she tries to give him this very polite answer of, you know, I... I I think they're super in love. It's true. I think that they want to get married. It's true. Uh, And then she kind of leaves it at that. I'm not surprised to hear they're writing to each other. You know. Um, And so even as she's saying this, though, she's also starting to wonder, like, is this happening? What is going on? Will will be? Like, if they're engaged, she should not be acting this way to her. Even if their engagement is still a secret for, you know, reasons of his inheritance, he still shouldn't be acting this way to her. So it's just, it's very confusing. And Eleanor is not liking it. And so she's written again to their, she's written to their mother and been like, remember that conversation we had about how you should force Marianne to tell you things? Yeah, you should do that for real now because Marianne is super unhappy and we need to know what the hell is going on. Um, so yeah, uh, it, I feel sorry for Eleanor. I really do. You know, like Eleanor is just trying to look out for her sister, trying to protect her sister, um, trying to manage the situation. And Marianne is not only is Marianne like super unhappy right now, but they are guests in this lady's home and Marianne is not behaving as a proper guest should because she's so wrapped up in her feelings. And so Eleanor is left to bear the brunt of all of that. So she has to be the perfect guest because she can't even be an okay guest because Marianne is being a bad guest. So Eleanor is trying to like, she's got to laugh at all the jokes and she's got to do all the talking and she's got to play all the games and like, and meanwhile, Marianne is just, like, moping. And I I feel so sorry for Eleanor at this point. It's just, it's super unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, well, <sighs> Willoughby, what's going on? What are you doing, Mr. Man? This is not how a romantic would act. Um, remember the romantics value openness and honesty um, as part of their virtues. So... Tisk tisk, shame shame, finger shavings, 
Um, do people still say finger shavings? Does anybody still do that? That's like a thing that maybe nobody does anymore. Oh, wow. I'm starting to wonder if I'm old. Probably really old. Okay. Well, let, we'll find out. Next chapter is super duper short. Um, so I'll probably, I don't know. I might record it now. I know I'm kind of kind of stumbling over my words a little, but I think I'll record it now. Oh, I like press stop for a second. Oh my goodness. What is going on? Maybe I'm not safe to deal with the app today. It's a Monday. So Monday. Extra Monday. <laughs>